0: Hello, Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in the Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. This is the season eight finale of Star Wars in a galaxy. Um, I'm Eli.
1: I'm Jacob.
0: Uh and yeah, happy New Year to everybody. Happy 2022. We made it to the new year. Um we 2022 did it, is going to be Yeah. Twenty twenty-two is gonna be a crazy year for the galaxy. We cannot wait to reveal To everybody, what we have planned. Um, But something else happened in the last week of Star Wars, specifically. Um, Before we get into our episode where we talk about the retrospective, and we do a retrospective when we look back on the season that we just had um, of Star Wars in the Galaxy, um, I want to spend a little time talking about the Book of Boba Fett. Jacob and I actually sat down um, on a Zoom session On Wednesday and watched it with each other. So we were both there just witnessing uh, episode one, Stranger in a Strange Land. Which, by the way, will be spoiled. So if by some chance you haven't seen it, ironically, this will be coming out after the second episode of the Book of Boba Fett. So if you haven't seen the first one, we haven't seen the second one because we're recording this before the second one's released. But um, if you haven't seen the first one, uh, I I guess we'll put timestamps in. But um, hopefully, yeah. it's it's late enough not to spo- spoil it for too many yeah. people. So, what are your reactions to uh, Book of One, Stranger um, in Strangeland?
1: My immediate reaction was, "Wow, that was a lot." I have to watch it again um, because I really enjoyed it. Um, my immediate reaction was, um, I was kind of, for lack of a way to phrase this more eloquently. I was struck in the, while watching, while watching the episode, I was struck both by how similar it felt to the Mandalorian and also how different it felt to the Mandalorian. I think, I think the, the, the style, the visual style um, really reminded me a lot of the Mandalorian. Obviously um, it had that same look, same, 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 uh, same feel to it. Um, and that was kind of cool to see and it, it kind of makes sense as it feels like it's a little bit of a spinoff, not necessarily a spin-off of, a Mandalorian, of the Mandalorian per se, as I really think it has, it really is going to have a life of its own. And I, I hope it's going to be a tremendous show because I'm really excited from what I've seen so far, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's is, it is cool to see that that style kind of continued and brought to a different little bit of a different scene, a little bit of a, a, a different story but I also hope that this doesn't mean that any future live action shows or future live action shows, I hope that they are not all going to, I hope that they're not all going to hue too closely to the style of the Mandalorian. And now that the book of Boba Fett seems to have in terms of the visuals, in terms of the art direction, um, in, in terms of just the way it's shot, the way it's put together, you know j- just the overall the overall feel of it and the atmosphere that it cultivates because while it is while it is fun and obviously it, it has had a really good reception and has seen a lot of enthusiasm, I also hope that they continue to experiment and, and play around um, and play around with it for future shows because i think that in the disney era i feel like although it it is often it is often divisive um some of the things that i've loved the most like rebels have come from the creators being unafraid to uh to push to a a style that might not be it might not be universally loved but is certainly untreaded ground so that's what i have to say
0: yeah, I think I'll, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I really did appreciate a lot in the first episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I'll say this to respond to your thing about the very much the same different uh, the same kind of style as the Mandalorian. I agree, and I credit that a lot, honestly, to um, John Favreau. John Favreau has written like twelve out of no thirteen or out of the sixteen episodes of the Mandalorian. And he's written, the, and he wrote the first episode of the book of Boba Fett. And I love the guy. I love what he's done for the franchise, and I love what he's done for the the TV universe specifically. But don't we think it's time to get some new writers in here? Like, again, I have nothing against Sean Favreau. I just want some new perspectives. Um, I I don't, you know, having all these different directors in there: Robert Rodriguez and Bryce Dallas Howard and Deborah Chow and. Uh, Taiko and all that kind of stuff is great, but the writing has still been done by the same guy, like 13, 14 out of seventeen times. Uh, and you know, I wish they would have something more of like a writer's room with like some maybe different perspectives. And I'm hoping we're gonna get that with Kenobi and with Acolyte and with Andor. Um, I think we're going to get that with, especially the last two. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll say this about the episode. The one big critique I have with it was, and I don't know if you felt this way, I thought a lot some some of the things in the flashbacks were a little bit superfluous. Like they just didn't need to be there.
1: How so? Like, what do you have a specific example of something? Yeah, like? the
0: one I'm thinking of is Boba doing having that honor duel with the Tuscan um, child in the middle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, he think, loses,
0: and like then he yeah. has to go out on the quest, and the water, and the beast, and all that kind of stuff. It yeah. feels like they were trending a little too much time in the flashbacks. That was a critique I saw Alex yeah. Damon make, and I I agree with that critique. Is that yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Personally, I definitely could see how that is off-putting because I, I I it definitely felt like a lot of the flashbacks did take. They definitely took their time. And I'm den- not denying that, but personally, even though it was, even though it was, even though it almost dragged, I thought it kind of dragged at points when I was when I was rewatching the episode. I watched it twice. Um, I I think that overall, I kind of liked, I appreciated how the episode was willing to take its time to um to just build up, build a picture give us a sense of what Boba Fett's been through. And I think you you said you alluded to something um, when we were watching it together on Zoom, you alluded to, um, to saying like, this is the same Mandalorian formula where it's like show the hero getting their ass absolutely handed to them for the first episode, minutes, however long segment it is of the story so that then it's more satisfying when they, kind of like, when they finally kind of take some of their own back. And I think that, that I, I I could see them doing that here. Um, Absolutely. I, but yeah, I, personally, I didn't mind it so much. Um,
0: I will also yeah, say I can that... But it, yeah,
1: it, I can see how a different perspective would think that's not the greatest decision.
0: I will say that I think my critique will be remedied when we get the rest of the episodes. I think a lot of people's... Like I saw a review from the Hollywood Reporter and one of the first things it says is, one of the biggest problems with the first episode of *Book of Boa Fett is it feels like a chapter in a larger story. I'm like, that's not yeah, a problem. That's it is. what it is. Yeah. Like, and so I feel like we don't have all of the answers. That's the point of you know this style of telling the story. Like, that's like, it's not a flaw. It's like the it's the hook. Um.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like as being part of a larger story, it definitely left me wanting more. Um, and it de- th- this episode definitely felt to me like a catch up episode. Like yeah. it was so heavily in the, um, in, in the flashbacks it was like, we're going to get you up to speed where Boba is. How do you get out of the star? what the heck, what's going on? Everybody's losing their minds. Oh my God, Boba Fett's back. And then they're, they're introducing uh, the mayor and the new, the new conflict. Um, which personally, I didn't mind it because I, I was so just. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan of Timura Morrison and of Mignolain. Oh, yeah. So for me, I was kind of just like I was totally happy to just sit back and let Fennec Shand and Boba Fett just like chill out and do whatever <laughs> they wanted to do. To be honest, because Absolutely. I'm such a fan personally, I'm such a fan of their actors. And especially especially Temuera Morrison, he doesn't have to say anything. And being not one as well, you know, they don't, I feel like them, them as, as, as actors, they don't really have to say much to, to breathe a lot of life into these characters. So I was more than happy to just kind of let their charisma kind of carry a somewhat languid episode as we get back up to speed with the characters
0: Uh, yeah i can never criticize tim or Na. they seem like they're both having the times of their lives doing this um i know Ming is a huge fan herself so i can just imagine you know she's told stories often about her being giddy on the sets and all that kind of stuff and i can just imagine them being like oh man we get to blow up these people and be you know these badass bounty hunters yeah man uh this is uh, they they clearly seem to be having the time they're alive and the lives and and Tem is giving a really interesting performance as Boba Fett and I'm I'm fascinated because you know remember he started as Django he didn't start as Boba and at, even though they're clones we uh, Boba and Django are different characters and but he plays both of them so well uh and he. It, he just does Boba Fett, you give him so many layers, and I almost feel like we're getting an origin story for Boba Fett, which is weird, because he's been through so much already, but he's almost getting this, like I saw people talking about, his a rebirth, and that's what this is. It's the rebirth of Boba, it's him becoming, you know, one of my main concerns from the trailers was that Bulba seemed a little bit out of character to where yeah. he was in the OT, but it makes perfect sense now because that's the point. He's supposed to seem out of character because it's almost like he's a new character. He's yeah. carrying the memories and experiences of his past, definitely. But he is a new man after coming out of the Sarlacc pit. I'd also like to make a quick announcement. Um I will be joining uh the Bombad cast and members of the Nerd Academy podcast on their stream on Thursday the 13th, talking about the third episode of The Book of Boba Fett. I think this is the last time I can say that before it goes live, but um, I'm excited to join them and talk about the third episode of The Book of Boba Fett, whatever that may be. Again, at the time of this episode, we haven't even seen the second one. Uh, uh, At the time of recording this, we haven't seen the second one. So who knows what the future is going to hold for us right there. Um, but should we get into our retrospective?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. I had so much. I was having so much fun getting and talking about Book of Boba that I almost, I almost forgot uh, what we're here to do. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's do this. Let's get into it. Season five of the Clone Wars. We it's have come it to an in end. the books. That's a yep. wrap. And what a season it was.
0: What a season, man. What a season. Um, yeah. It's it's one of the, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we're starting with our overall thoughts.
1: Yeah, okay. Do you want to lead us off?
0: I'll start, yeah. Season 5 of The Clone Wars is a fantastic season of The Clone Wars. What I think Season 5 does so incredibly well is that it builds on all of these themes that we've been slowly, subtly building up for the last four seasons. And then give, and gives them almost the, the climax of their arc. You know, we see this in every single arc. Um, you know, the going to the end, the Jedi losing their way comes to a head in the Ahsoka trial, and the Republic encouraging worlds to stand up and fight back for themselves. Things kind of comes to a head in Onderon, and the whole how are how is the future of the Force persistent in the Clone Wars that comes to a head in the Gathering, uh, and droid sentience, which has been a building theme in this whole thing, has come to a head in D Squad and. Uh, you know, all the Mandalore stuff comes to a head in the lawless arc. all of this stuff is is reaching its highest point, and we're seeing the what these tensions and what these thematic strands have all been building up to within the series. um and it's it it, it works so well. Uh, there are no arcs that I dislike out of these um. The one thing I would criticize about this season, and this is just a personal preference for me, is that I wish there were some lighter arcs. I like the more adventurous, the more the less dreary, the more exciting chase arcs, but I understand that they wanted to set a tone, and I don't fault them for sending that tone. It's just not a tone that particularly enthralls me as much.
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a similar, um, I had a, I had similar thoughts as you, Eli. Um, or were you, were you done? Can I go?
0: Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I thought that, um, you know, there, there are plenty of great arcs in here, but um, I think I, I guess, I guess I'll just jump into to building off of what you said. Um, where, where I agree, I feel like all these themes and all these storylines and different ideas that have kind of been all these characters who've, you know, kind of just been building up the, the stakes, the intensity, the, the conflicts have been building up, building up kind of brewing under the surface, going dormant, coming back into focus, going dormant again, you know, the Filoni and crew just, you know, pulling the different strings, moving the, moving the pieces around on the board, um, for season after season. And all of a sudden it feels like, it feels like there's five checkmates at once in this season. Um, and And so, I think um I think uh, for me, that made the season feel almost too intense at times. um obviously, it, it was a very dark season, and I don't fault that for them I don't fault them uh for that choice, but I think that it veers so heavily into these super duper dark, grisly, intense climactic episodes. I feel like it does that so much that it almost feels like. A little bit too laborious at times
0: a bit to, too watch, to watch through this
1: season a bit through over intense and this is even this is even as we've watched rewatch the season spread out over at least a couple months yeah so you can only imagine what it's like when a new episode is coming out each week even though i wasn't able to watch it um that in that format as it released um um so so i think that being said um the darkness like the the dark themes, the intense episodes aren't necessarily a detriment, but it's definitely decidedly tiring to watch compared to other seasons. Like it's great, but it's it's no picnic. Um, yeah. But and I think I think part of the reason is that because of all these these themes and ideas and different characters, different storylines, feeling like they're all kind of coming to a head at once in this episode in this season, it feels like we have, it feels like the majority of the arcs in the season and you could even make a case probably for all of the multi-episode arcs here they all could be that crowning arc that mm. mega season finale for another season of the clone wars and so i think Absolutely. that's that's a part of um that's a part of it um and but overall i just feel like it felt so it felt like there was so much intensity jammed in there that it overall honestly felt a little bit less consistent to me than season four, um, which is a little bit glaring, I think, for a show that at this point is decidedly in its maturity, especially considering the massive jumps that season four and season three represented. And this felt much more evolutionary than than revolutionary, the way the the previous two seasons felt in, in terms of how much is the show evolving. Uh, between seasons, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it's definitely a a tremendous season. But for me personally, I I thought it wasn't, although it had a lot of amazing moments, it overall wasn't as enjoyable, I thought, as season four.
0: Oh, so I was just going to ask you, is this your favorite season of The Clone Wars? And it sounds like Season
1: four is still got to be.
0: So it's actually not mine either. And it's ironic because I'm going in the other direction. Um, for me, it's kind of a tie between six and seven. Oh. Um, six and seven have so many, many incredible moments. I might lean, I, I'm thinking like, you know I might lean in seven because um, Siege of Mandalore is so good. And I'm like, no, but I might leave six because it has more episodes and more consistently good episodes. Uh, so it's a bit of a toss up for me, but I I can't wait to get to the post. Cartoon Network Clone Wars, because I think that's where the series actually really shines. Um, The Netflix Clone Wars, as we call Season 6, and the Disney Plus Clone Wars as Season 7. is. Uh, So you have your ranking of the episodes.
1: Uh, Yes, I have my ranking.
0: Number 20, Point of No Return. Number 19, A Test of Strength. Number 18, Bound for Rescue. Number 17, Sabotage. Number 16, Secret Weapons. Number 15, Eminence. Number 14, a war on two fronts. Number 13, the Jedi who knew too much. Number 12, frontrunners. Number 11, a necessary bond. Number 10, the gathering. Number 9, missing in action. Number 8, the soft war. Number 7, revival. Number 6, shades of reason. Number 5, to catch a Jedi. Number 4, a sunny day in the void. Number 3, tipping points number two the lawless and number one the wrong jedi
1: wow our lists are very different i don't know yes. if our lists have ever been this different i know we often I, have kind of it, the it's, opposite it's funny point of view
0: it's funny because these lists are so incredibly inconsistent except for the top two yeah which are yeah, yeah. exactly I the think, same
1: i know you know you already know they're gonna be the same because you uh, yeah. but i I don't, I don't i don't think you'd have to look at my list to know that our top two are gonna be identical. I knew, or at least the I same knew, two episodes. Episode. you yeah,
0: know. I knew they were gonna be high. I knew <laughs> they were gonna be high.
1: All right, so my list, um, in number 20, I have the soft war. And even from the very bottom of this list, it wasn't necessarily that I strongly dislike these episodes. There were just a lot of better episodes. In number 19, I had a war on two fronts. Number 18, I had front runners. Number 17, I had tipping points. My number 16 was missing in action. My fifteenth was a sunny day in the void. My 14th was the gathering. My 13th was a test of strength. My 12th was bound for rescue. My 11th was secret weapons. My 10th is point of no return. And my ninth should be shades of reason. My eighth is sabotage. My seventh is a necessary bond. My number six, the Jedi who knew too much. Number five, eminence. Number four, To Catch a Jedi. Number three, Revival. Number two, The Lawless. And number one, The Wrong Jedi.
0: So let's talk about this. I think we should talk about The Elephant in the Room, which is The Wrong Jedi and The Lawless at numbers one and two on our list, on both of our lists. Yes. The only place where we're consistent.
1: I mean, for me, thinking about the list, it was kind of a a no-brainer even though they're especially for me especially the lawless they're very hard episodes to watch but they are they're such such good episodes and they just they really really make the most of the big moments they really make the most of the yeah a couple of really important big moments and they they absolutely nail it
0: yeah, when I was constructing the list, I actually remember thinking to myself, so I wonder how this list is going to turn out. And then my brain was like, you're going to put the wrong Jedi at number one, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put the wrong Jedi at number one. I mean, it's one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars. I'd say it's in my top five. The We'll get into this with our favorite episode. I mean, we can even talk about it now. With we're, For our favorite episode, it's both. It's the wrong Jedi for both of us. Um That conversation with Anakin and Ahsoka at the end of the episode is perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I understand more than you realize. I understand what it feels like to want to walk away from the Order. I know. And then she just goes. It's... It's such a... The visuals and the imagery in that episode are also brilliant. And the dialogue feels so... It's one of those things where it feels so wrong, like you don't want it to happen. But in terms of looking at writing structure and how the episode is framed, it feels so right. It feels so perfect. It doesn't feel like any lines just like, okay, that's weird. That's really clunky. Why did they put it in that way? It all feels like, I understand why they did it like that. I understand why it feels purposeful. It feels direct in yeah. that way.
1: Yeah, my my thoughts about the number one and number two. Um, the Lawless, I think it would be further down if it was just... the Satine, obviously. But then to also have... To also have um, the
0: Mold confrontation insidious.
1: with Sidious thrown in there. That's just too good. That just that just puts it over the edge for me. I was like, man, that's a that's a easy top two, top two lock.
0: Yeah. I I definitely agree with that. The um, I didn't talk too much about um the Lawless, but I'll just say, yeah, it's the fact that they can fit all of that action into one episode with Satine's death and with Maul ruling and with the city's confrontation is simply fantastic. And with Bo-Katan and, with, and to make it a cohesive episode like they do is just great. It doesn't have the emotional gut punch to me as much as The Wrong Jedi which is heart-wrenching but it's still incredible. Um, Let's talk about some of our, our what I call our flip-flops where one of us yeah. has it really high on the list <laughs> and one of us has it really low on the list.
1: Those are always um, interesting.
0: Yeah, what, Which one do you want to talk about first?
1: Where did you Where did you have um, a sunny day in the void again? Four. Oh and gosh, we gotta talk 15. about that. So I at fifteen, and yeah. it was in your top five. It right. was. What do you? Uh, I mean, what do you think about about Sunny Day in the Void? What What for you gave it that top ranking? Uh,
0: so, I do want to say something about Sunny Day in the Void, which is it's it's very interesting to me. When I was watching, so I actually watched The Clone Wars um, for a rewatch of my own purposes last year. uh, And I was catching up on it this year for In a Galaxy. And I gotta say, A Sunny Day in the Void definitely wins the award for most improved episode um, from the rewatch I did last year. I didn't remember it much at all. But I'm like, oh my god, this is so incredibly deep. This is so incredibly... The I just remember me taking copious amount of notes um amounts of notes when I was um when I was watching it for in a galaxy and I was just like, holy cow, this has so much symbolism, it's so much it it you know they could make this about them strolling through the void yeah. and having to face, you know, and blah 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 and have that be boring. But it the boring part for me is when they get out of it. The boring part for me is the part that I that that I suddenly lose a little bit of my interest in. Although the episode's pretty much done by then, is is when the, the those birds drop them off at the village. I'm like, okay, and then we get into the Gregor stuff and missing an action, which I also think is very good. But but the void stuff and the things they come upon and the things that they talk about is such an interesting development for all the characters. Um I'm like, who could have who could have thought about, you know, such profound things in an ep- in an arc about robots? You know? Yeah. They're not supposed to think profoundly. And yet, you know, this is maybe the most profound the Clone Wars has gotten since Mortis, I would say. What about you? Why did you what didn't stick to you as much about um about Descending in the Void?
1: I mean, it wasn't that it was a poor episode but by any means. Um, I really liked how they, they kind of went there. They went somewhere with that episode, and they really committed to this kind of wacky idea. There were just a lot of other episodes that I thought ultimately brought more to the table. And while that episode certainly has its moments, and it definitely has its merits, it's very fun interesting unique um yeah it just i don't know overall watching it kind of gives me the same feeling as the characters in the episode like it kind of feels watching it kind of makes me feel like i'm wandering around a desert waiting waiting to be uh, rescued a little bit even though it's i even though i think it's overall a good episode so I, i just didn't i just didn't see any reason to put it higher up there's not not really any any major quarrel I have with it.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. Um. Let's see. Let's talk about Sabotage. Eight for you and 17 for me. You know, it's not as huge of a gap as The Sunny Day in the Void, which is probably the biggest gap of all of them, but it's a pretty big one. Uh, talk to me about um, Sabotage and why you love it so much.
1: You know, ob- obviously, as the lead-in episode to the Ahsoka arc, um, it definitely doesn't have the most the most merits out of all the episodes. I think, um, but overall, I just think it's really just, just all around really well executed. I couldn't find I couldn't find a, a ton of fault with it, um, and it, it was a it was a I thought it was a really good and fun episode. Um, maybe not fun, but. It definitely drew you in. I just, I just thought it did a really good job of setting up, you know, the stakes, just the suspense and overall feeling of of dread. Yeah, feeling of dread that um that those episodes have. So that that's why I liked it.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I get that. Um, it for me, it wasn't about like sabotage's. I guess flaws, as you could say, as we like, oh, I gotta put this in front of it though, because this is awesome, and oh, I gotta put this in front of it. Oh, this is cool too. Again, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a situation like you had, I think, a little bit with Sunday in the Void, where it's like, oh, but I wanna put this in front of it. Um, uh, actually, there was another one I wanted to talk to you about. Um, hmm. Can we talk about Onderon?
1: Onderon, yes, because the the Ondurons were my four top, ta- my four lowest ranked, and and where where what was your highest ranked Onderon?
0: Uh, tipping points at number three. So, yeah, yeah. you had tipping points at 17, I had tipping points at 3, you had soft war at 20, I had it at 8, you had war on two fronts at 19, I had it at 14, and you had front runners at 18, while I had it at 12. So, yeah, you seemed to enjoy Onderon a lot less than I did. What, What was it that didn't appeal to you about Onderon?
1: I can't really put my finger on one thing. I just kind of... I I just kind of didn't get... I didn't really get it. It didn't really click with me. I, I found the episodes... I don't know. They were just a bit of a slog to get through a lot of the characters and the the interpersonal stuff, I felt that it didn't really gel. There wasn't a lot that that grabbed me about the plot, the conflict, the setting, any of it. Um, and the characters, a lot of the characters just, just weren't really appealing. Um, so, yeah, on, honestly, it just didn't really, I, I felt like it didn't really have a lot to offer. So that was kind okay. of a low, for me, that would be the, kind of the low light of the, uh, of the season.
0: Okay. That's fair. Uh, no, I I respect that. Um, for me, at least on And I think it got better each episode. I think it was probably the most cohesive arc of the season. Barring maybe the Soka trial, but like, even so, I love seeing steel is one of my favorite characters in the clone wars. I think she rocked it. Um, and, It was, I think the worst part of the arc is when she dies. Um, It hurts me so much. But um, I love seeing the dynamics between Stila and Saw and Lux. And I love seeing Ahsoka grow into that more leadership role that she's going to assume more and more these days. Um, I think it's such a unique struggle because often, you know, this is the pinnacle of the, you know, teaching the people to fight for themselves. These people already know how to fight now they need to know how to lead so we're not teaching them how to fight we're teaching them how to lead which is a whole different thing because they already know how to fight we're one step ahead with them you know it's like the you know i definitely thought that the
1: strongest the strongest part of the episode was kind of the allegory of, of that of that part of it you know yeah is it even moral to to teach them how to fight to you know like that kind of thing um but yeah, sorry, sorry. Continue, continue. Before like I, I to
0: But in bounty hunters, like for example, they teach the farmers how to fight. They already got that. They're already past that. They all know how to shoot. They know how to do that kind of stuff. Now they're teaching them. You know, destroyers are weak from behind and blah blah blah. They're they're showing them the ropes with these things, and they form their own insurrection and they form their own rebellion, um, which is of course intentional language because it, we see the roots and we see how saw goes from radical Andoronian freedom fighter to crazy almost like almost a little crazy almost a little bit a little bit too radical a little bit too radical rebel fighter after the death of his sister and i think oh, yeah. it's planted so subtly in this arc and i think it's so interesting and i think we're seeing in bad batch now with saw in the first few episodes that show and then we saw it in fallen order with cal and then of course we will see it in the rogue one rebels era um with fully radicalized saul um where he's like so here's the thing we're gonna disintegrate civilians and imperials but also civilians and we're and everybody's like are you sure about that and Saul's like do i look like i'm not sure about that
1: i will say then um I definitely. You obviously make a lot of great points, and I think it's not necessarily. I think objectively, these episodes are pretty solid. Like if you look at what they're bringing to table, to bringing to the table, I think subjectively, i I didn't much, uh, I didn't much care for them.
0: They're that, not your A little bit like
1: I don't know, little little bit like cilantro, maybe you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some not, people. Not your- some people some people uh, just
1: really don't like it and some people like it and there's nothing wrong with either one of those
0: uh talking about objectivity and all that kind of stuff let's talk about point of no return
1: oh yeah this is a good one
0: which is uh beginning your top 10 and is on the bottom of my list all right what do you like about point of no return
1: i think it just does a really good job um it does a really good job of just having this obviously i'm a big fan <laughs> of the whole suspense peeling back the layers kind of thing i've, I've said that you are I oh my gosh that. take a shot every time i say peeling back the layers on in a galaxy yeah you would be you would be poisoned you'd poison yourself um but i just like like a lot of the same reasons that i that i really enjoyed um gosh uh, well why i enjoyed sabotage much the same reason it does a really good job of Obviously Sabotage, on a shorter on a shorter Legacy time frame here. Yeah. Legacy of terror. Yeah, episodes like that, you know, really building the suspense, really giving you yeah. some jaw-dropping reveal, some staggering new threat that has to be quickly dispatched, in which the heroes have to find creative ways to find it in themselves to step up to the challenge. And I think that um while while this is by no means the greatest ever example of that. I think there are better there are better examples. I still think this is a good example, especially considering who we're working with. Like Meebergaskin, this guy who's basically more or less kind of created to be some something of a goofball character at the end of the day, despite despite all the things that you can say about him. And a bunch of and a and passel of droids.
0: Point of no return is a tricky one for me. And we'll get get to this in my least favorite episode. So, we, we're at a Sunday in the Void, which is philosophical themes and all that kind of stuff about, you know, consciousness and all that kind of stuff. Okay, we're through Missing in Action, which is a heartfelt episode. We're dealing with an amnesiac clone trooper rediscovering his sense of self. And then we get to Point of No Return. And Point of No Return's challenge is a bomb. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's not just a bomb, it's a really, really big bomb. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, I guess so.
1: Quickly, I would say that the reason I like it, I would argue that it's not necessarily just about the bomb, but it's about like it's really about the characters and how they how they step up and how they respond, rather than it being about the plot itself. But I I can see how it's less appealing.
0: So, uh, in the words of Whack Forty Seven, so. You are a map reader. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's a little bit like, like that. It's, I, I understand it's about... Like at a bomb, the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it is
1: about a bomb. It it's is a about bo- a bomb. It's about
0: a bomb, okay? It's about a big thing that blows up. I guess and the like, question
1: is whether or not you're okay with that, and I guess I'm okay with it, yeah. and you're not no, okay I totally,
0: I totally... My notes for um, worst episode um, is literally starts with, Jacob likes point of No Return better than I did. Like, it's, I'm not even saying, like, Jacob will, I I think Jacob will say he likes it. It's just, I know Jacob's going to like this more (laughs) than I am. Because I know it's his kind of episode way more than it's my kind of episode. definitely. Uh, Like, the entire episode takes place in space. Of course it's going to be your kind of episode. It's on a ship. The entire episode's (laughs) on a ship. Of course it's your kind of episode. It's the same thing we were talking about in season two with uh, Targo of Doom. Why you liked it so much more than I did. Yeah, yeah. It it's just it just appeals more to you, um, and that's and that's totally fine. Um, I will say this. Uh, we already talked about Wrong Jedi in this masterpiece about your worst episode, which I see is the Soft War. I'm gonna ask you this, and I I, I want to see you. I want to ask you if you want to make this a tradition on In a Galaxy because I think this could be cool. What is something you really liked about your least favorite episode?
1: Soft War, I liked how it challenged Ahsoka and helped set up I like how I liked how it challenged Ahsoka and helped set her up for her big moment um, further down the line.
0: Cool. For Point of No Return I, I'd argue it was five seasons too late but like I'm glad they finally brought back Buzz Droids. Yeah. The Buzz Droid scenes in Point of No Return were actually really cool.
1: Where do you have eminence?
0: Eminence, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. You have it at five, and I have it at fifteen.
1: Mm, I guess fifteen. Yeah, that's pretty far. That's actually yeah. they're completely symmetrical where they are on the list.
0: <laughs> they yours are,
1: rounds actually, out your top yeah. quartile, Mine's, my or mine rounds out the the top twenty five percent. Yours rounds out the bottom twenty five. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think there's that
0: actually, but okay. Yeah,
1: I don't think there's a ton to say about it. I don't know.
0: Eminence for me, I just don't like it as much because it feels it, it's like sabotage for me, it's just like it's the hook. And while the hook is good, the reveal at the end, the wrong Jedi, the lawless and the building up in the middle, the catch a Jedi the shades of reason are more appealing to me than the hook I think sometimes the Clone Wars may spend a little too long building up their hooks for my, for my appeal yeah, That's fair
1: I, I just um, liked it. I loved seeing Maul and Savage kind of come back, do their thing. Um, it did feel like a slightly almost funny episode in a weird way, but I, I think it worked. I liked seeing them just take control of this crime syndicate.
0: <laughs> now I just realized what I wanted. Uh, now I just realized what I want to hear in the book of Boa Fett. Um that uh, Boba Fett and Fennec raid somewhere, and they're like, um, and somebody asks, Wait, are you bounty hunters? And Boba will go, No, we are lords. Crime.
1: Lords, lords yeah, that was the best.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, was the, work.
1: that was one of the things that I feel like the entire one of the things that appealed to me about the episode is the, the entire thing, despite being ostensibly a very kind of a pretty, a pretty serious episode. The entire thing felt slightly tongue-in-cheek like they yeah. were, were kind of just Actually, like yeah episode, we are making
0: ironically. yeah but yeah, yeah like they're there, kind of just also... like sorry go ahead there's also that line so the only thing you can tell me is that i can find jebba at jebba's palace
1: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, like what they, the heck like...
0: are we dealing with
1: yeah it's kind of like yeah like the, the entire thing just kind of just kind of feels like, yeah, we are doing this. What are you going to do about it? What of it? Like, yeah, we are making him a crime lord now. Like, Yeah. The, the entire thing, it, it, it feels like a why not episode.
0: It does. Like, oh, especially why not? Like, you know? I, I was thinking, like, you know, there's a line from Indiana Jones, uh, and I think it was from Light like Ridge of the Lost Ark, where Sala asks Indiana, um, how are you going to escape from something? I forget. And Indiana goes, I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go along. Um and it felt like the entire arc in a good way was just kind of making it up as it went along. It was just like so. Um, not not the writers, but Maul and Savage. Maul were like, so we're crime lords now, and Savage was like, what? And Maul were like, Maul was like, yeah, so we're crime lords. Savage is like, we can't just be crime lords, and Maul's like, why not? What's stopping us? <laughs> it was it was the arc of doing things because you can um we want to move on to best character now yeah um i want to see something let's count down and see if we have the same best character because i think we might
1: well i had a i i I did my usual thing which is that i pick a couple characters who aren't necessarily okay the main characters but that who i thought really deserved a shout out for this so who are yours? Mine are Ventress, Hondo Onaka, Ahsoka, who okay kind of is a main character, and R2D2.
0: Yeah, so mine was Ahsoka because <laughs> I felt like it was impossible not to pick Ahsoka for this.
1: Yeah, this is like her crowning the the crowning this is moment her of,
0: this is her of everything magnum that opus. she's done
1: in the Clone Wars. Yeah.
0: I be- I truly believe that the Clone Wars season five is Ahsoka's Magnum opus. It's the best it's the best thing I've seen her in. So far in Star Wars, period. No offense to Rebels or anything, or the Mandalorian. I love her in that too. I was just watching the Future of the Force the other day, and that lightsaber duel she has with the Inquisitors is still awesome. But her, through that entire trial arc, cannot be beat. In my opinion. Um, She is... You know, one of the things is like... Uh, Dave was asked about Ahsoka appearing in the I'm All the Jedi sequence in 9. And Dave was like, Yeah, I know she said I'm no Jedi in Season 2 Rebels, but in many ways, Ahsoka is more like a Jedi than the Jedi of the Time were. Mm. And this is the clearest example that we can see of that, of Ahsoka being more Jedi than the Jedi. Anything to say about Ahsoka or you want to talk about why you loved Ventress and R2 and Hondo?
1: Um, yeah, I think you kind of said it for Ahsoka again. This is just a landmark season for her, you know, the crescendo that everything her character has gone through, just kind of building up to this moment, obviously, at the end of the season. And it's tragic, but I think it is – there's a silver lining watching this now having rebels having having seen rebels having seen manda i think it's a little bit less sad now knowing that there's the the cloud has a silver lining that she does come back and she does find her way and she does find a life of presumably meaning doing something important helping people fulfilling her you know duties even though she's not with the jedi anymore yeah Uh, ventress i think i had ventress for this last season as well obviously she doesn't do as she doesn't show up as quite nearly as much this season um but I, i still think i just wanted to 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 give the the writers props for what they did with her in uh the wrong jedi arc um i thought it was cool i liked seeing her team up i just i think she's a pretty appealing character even as a even as, especially, actually, as the ex Sith acolyte, X Night, the antihero. Sister, she works the very well. Bounty the bounty hunter, the antihero. Yeah, I really think that. I really think that her her kind of dialogue, her her snappiness, the way that she operates. I think that she has so much potential, and I really want to see them do more with her because I think she has the potential to, to, just kind of. Bounce well off so many characters with the personality that we see or have. honda yeah. Onaka again. Hondo, What's not you, to love. love? To see him, um, and I love, I love this episode.
0: Except for if he's in the Brothers of Broken Horn, then yeah. you don't love to see him. Yeah, it, it's sorry. I just had. I'm rewatching Rebels right now, and I was rewatching that episode. I'm like, uh, not you again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, personally, I liked him in Broken Horn. Except, I thought that the maybe the character model could have could have used some work. But other than that,
0: you know. Yeah. Anyway, go back to Hondo and Clone Wars and (laughs) revival and uh, to revival and uh, the Youngling Arc and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Traitors, scum! I'm so proud, but I'm so betrayed.
1: Yeah. You know, we really see him run the gamut of everything that he can be in this season from someone who is really menacing and almost out of character, as we were saying, you know, oh, kill the young ones. We don't care to then teaming up with them and, and really kind of bringing out a little bit more of his kind, good, dare I say, <laughs> altruistic self. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, always enjoy seeing Hondo and this was no exception as for R2-D2. Um, I mean, you were talking about droid sentience earlier and in between between the gathering arc and all the other ways that he just put in work this season the gathering arc um a, obviously a sunny day or see the secret weapons arc sunny Day in the void like man r2d2 had his his fair share of action um and it was it was kind of interesting to see him not by anakin's side for a change which i thought was cool who was your uh worst character or characters
0: to the surprise of absolutely nobody, I gotta put Mace Windu because how he behaves in the Ahsoka trial arc is frankly motivated by the dark side, even if he can't see it.
1: Really? It's one Yeah,
0: it it's one of those things where Mace is incredibly annoying in these episodes because of his refusal to act with anything else other than vehemence to Anakin and Ahsoka. And he I think he's fallen down a little bit of a rabbit hole. He's fallen down the rabbit hole of this is how the Jedi should be. This is how the Jedi need to be, if they are to succeed. I will not welcome any other opinion. You know, yeah. Uh, it, there it, it thinks it, it, you know um, you know you think of the line uh, you think of Obi Wan's only a Sith deals in absolutes and you think of uh, talking about um, me saying the oppression of the Sith. Will never return. You have lost. From of the Sith. Yeah. And uh, you think about statements he said in this episode. And I'm, I'm like, who's the real Sith? I'm not saying Mace Windu was secretly working for the Sith or anything. I'm not saying anything crazy. Is like, is that? I'm saying that in his devotion to the code, he had inadvertently became the very darkness he was fight- trying to fight against.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a uh, definitely a possibility. Um, um, personally i i never share anyone's anger or dislike towards mace windu personally i think he's misunderstood maybe, maybe the, the the shows and the movies kind of catch him in the, some of his bad moments um my worst characters um tarkin for me obviously good
0: choice uh, good choice
1: oh tarkin oh tarkin oh tarkin Man, or, or or he is just as, a thorn in the good guy's side.
0: Or as we should treat him, because he seems to be comfortable treating Padme this way, Tarkin. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd have to give a slow clap for Tarkin. He does a very, very good job of being <laughs> really, really frustrating when you watch him and how he just kind of, he mercilessly just kind of takes down the heroes even though he thinks that he's on their side. Um,
0: Which he is Obviously,
1: for me, Satine, not particularly pleasant, because I'm not really a a huge fan of hers, to say the least. Don't find her terribly appealing as a villain or as an anti-hero, or when they want us to maybe root for her.
0: Satine, Christ? Yes. As a villain?
1: Sorry, I meant Bo-Katan. I meant Bo-Katan. I don't know why I said Satine. Okay. I meant Bo Katan like the whole time. Really confused I wrote down the, the wrong name. No, Bo-Katan, bo Katan, sorry. Not Satine. Oh, Bo I was makes very... a lot more
0: sense. I'm like
1: some...
0: <laughs> I'm like, why would you say that when at the end of the episode? She gets a lightsaber through her chest. Yeah. No. I'm like, that's harsh, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that my bad, my bad. I totally meant Bo Katan. I totally screwed that up. That makes yeah, a no, lot Bo-Katan. more sense.
0: Um Meg, uh congrats on the engagement and don't sue us. Um, <laughs>
1: meg we love you don't sue us don't get mad at us (laughs) especially not that i mixed up their names now i feel like i feel like i've just put myself in even more hot water now
0: oh definitely
1: now i can't now i can't stop thinking about what an evil sateen would look like i think that would be a really funny idea for some kind of a non-canon what if show maybe an episode of star wars visions yes Yes.
0: From from Potter. Yeah, no, an evil, an evil satina is still our Sunbridge. Coolest new thing you noticed from the rewatch. Go ahead.
1: In the episodes where we see Anakin, one thing I really noticed that I thought was really cool that I hadn't really put together before was how apparent it is, possibly with the hindsight of you know, watching this, having watched The Clone Wars a couple times, knowing what comes next. Just how much... How clear it is, all these signs of him falling falling to the dark side and kind of losing losing his light, losing a lot of his joy, really, before he even before he even falls, how embroiled he is in the pain of trying to protect those he loves while also serving the jedi and and serving the republic and trying to live up to the massive expectations that everyone from palpatine to the jedi put on him
0: yeah no it's interesting yeah anakin's gonna tip farther and farther in the show and uh it's interesting because i think in season six we're gonna see a lot of that as well him tipping farther and farther and farther and yeah, and I'm I'm very excited to witness that further, um, in the show. For me, I forgot exactly how much the Ahsoka trial arc was also a referendum on the Jedi Order. I thought I forgot how much the Jedi losing their way thing was so deeply woven into that arc. I thought I forgot it was the very fabric of that arc, and I and I and you know it's it's like the thesis statement of that arc. Um, it. I wrote down minus when Barriss says that it's the Jedi who should be on t- trial. She's not talking to the Republic. She's talking to the audience. They're kind of using yeah. Barris a little bit of as a mouthpiece for their opinion on the Jedi Order, and I don't think that's wrong yeah. in this case. I think that's a, I think they're delivering a very clear message. Um. Yeah. 100%. Favorite planet. What's your favorite planet? The
1: season. Ilum, hundred percent. I, I really love oh,
0: Ilum.
1: Cool. cool. And no, nothing more to um, say there. Just a really cool planet. Uh,
0: what about you? For me, for me, due to the breathtaking visuals of a sunny day in the void and missing in action, I have to pick Amafar. Of course. Baron Wasteland is awesome, um, and I love what it does for our characters in those episodes. Um. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we get on to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy?
1: No, I think that just about okay. does it. Really, uh, another uh, tremendous season.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, let's get on to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy. What you brought me to die is worth one quarter portion. That's right. One quarter portion, the uh part of In a Galaxy where we do where we do a little something different. Um it's a, it's a great fun part of Star Wars in a galaxy. Uh, and I'm very excited to do it. Um today we have a six degrees of star wars. Um Yes. Uh we have two six degrees of Star Wars. I based both of mine off of the book of Boba Fett, actually. Um you wanna go first, you want me to go first?
1: Um You can go first. Go for it.
0: Okay. Can you please connect for me? Gerizib Aurelius and Fennec Shand.
1: Gerizib Aurelius and Fennec Shand. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Gerizib and Fennec Shand. Okay. 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 Mm multiple ways I could go about this. I'm not sure which would be the most efficient one. Okay. Wait. Gerizzeb, Leia.
0: Interesting.
1: Boba, Fennec.
0: Good one. Good one. Actually, I don't think I can think of anything else. Let me see if I can think of anything quicker. Does Zeb actually interact with Leia? Because I think we might have to go Zeb Hera Leia.
1: I think he does in one of, in the uh, in the episodes in season two. I think he does. So
0: here's the funny thing: I'm actually just on my Rebels rewatch. I'm just getting to a princess on Lothal. Um, like that's my next episode, so I don't actually know.
1: Mm. Um, Guess we'll see. I'm
0: not sure if he does. Maybe we have to, but it's fine. I'll I'll, I'll let that yeah, go. We'll, we'll see. Um, if not, what's
1: your, Zeb Hera then? Or I meant
0: like Zeb Ezra. I think Herob later, but Zeb Zeb Ezra Ezra, yeah.
1: One of those. One of those were. Zeb Kane, yeah. You could any any of the
0: yeah,
1: you get the idea. A little bit unorthodox one here. Could you connect for me, please, Commander Fox and the Crystal
0: Fox? (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much. Um. Oh man. Okay. So the Vultex from Last Jedi. Um Fox Ahsoka. No, Fox, Anakin, Luke, Leia, Vulptex. That's what I'm going with. Fox, Anakin, Luke, Leia, Vulptex. Um, because or you, I can also do Fox, Anakin, Luke, Voltex If you can count, if you could count the idea that um Luke was on crate. I know he wasn't on crate, but he was on crate because, you know, he was projecting. And I think he was on crate actually. After, um, in the Storms of Crate comic and the Star Wars comic, so I'm gonna count it.
1: Um, All right, I'll accept it.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, my final one is, uh, please connect for me, Django Fett. And Doctor Pershing. Django Fett. Dr. Pershing for his lack of decorum. His enthusiasm outweighs his discretion.
1: Django Fett and Doctor Pershing. Django Fett. Boba Fett. Mando the client Pershing.
0: You know you can do a there's a straight up. Oh no, way. yeah. Mando Doctor Pershing.
1: Yeah, man, I guess Mando does mean Dr. Pershing, you're right.
0: Blasts his ear. No, that's that's, that's actually true. Kara. I think he does that. But anyway, he's in the room where that happens. He tends to kill him. Um, what's your final? What's your uh, last one for me?
1: My final one. Another pun. Could you please connect for me, okay. Commander Gree, and our favorite Rodian Greedo.
0: I was really hoping you were gonna okay.
1: Gree. <laughs> what were you hoping for?
0: No, I was hoping I was hoping you were gonna say Gree and Greedo. Um, Gree Yoda Obi Wan Greedo. Nice. Yep. Um, Dang. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, thank you so much to everyone for not only listening uh, through season eight of Star Wars in a Galaxy, but also um, listening to In a Galaxy in twenty twenty one. We're so excited for all the stuff we're planning on doing in 2022. It's going to be a great year. We have some great stuff planned. We're going to be branching out of the Clone Wars. We're going to get into uh, what the era that Ken Knapsack calls the boot of the Empire era. Um, and we're going to get into the Imperial era um, next week because we are going back to weekly. Yay, we're going back to weekly. Ooh. <laughs> next week, we're going to be starting season six of Star Wars The Clone Wars with episode 69 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. I'm going to try that again, Jacob. You got to be a little quicker on the trigger. Episode 69 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Nice. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about death, actually. We're going to be talking about a lot of death um, and a lot of dark stuff. Um, we're going to be watching... Uh, what I've dubbed it as the Order 66 arc. That's going to be the unknown, conspiracy, fugitive, and orders. We're going to be talking about Fives and Tup and that whole investigation on Camino. Um. In the meantime, listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be there if we're not. Please let us know. Email us at swinthegalaxy at gmail.com to let us know about things like that and also to send us messages and all that kind of stuff. We will read it on the show. Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter at InTheGalaxyPod, Instagram at Star Wars in the Galaxy. Um, make sure to, uh, I'll post the link on Twitter, of course, but uh, make sure to check me out on the Bombadcast where I'll be talking um, the book of Boba Fett, episode three next week. That'll be no. Yeah, next week, by the time this episode comes out. Um, And in the meantime, may the Force be with you. Always.